Welcome to the Digital Culture Ideas Show. This show covers the biggest cultural shift that's happening right now, a shift to a much more digital life. If you like what you hear, then make sure you subscribe so you can have those episodes at your fingertips. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Welcome along again to the Digital Culture Ideas Show and Podcast. So this is the show that helps you under the biggest changes we're undergoing at the moment, which is the shift to a more more digital business and life. So it's all about how technology and the internet are massively changing the way we behave, think, interact, and communicate. So today, I am speaking with Aaron Olford, the Chief Digital Officer of the Cordia Group. So Aaron, how are you? And what's happening at the moment? Hello, everyone. No, doing fantastic. Lots going on. Um, industry's charging ahead. And today we announced a new acquisition of Base2, who's a modern workplace specialist. So we're really happy to have them join the Cordia family. Absolutely. That's so cool. So literally today is the first day we've brought them on board. So that is super exciting. Can't wait to to meet them all and, and get involved with them. So um Aaron, so maybe if, just for the audience's benefit, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, just to provide some context. So what is a little bit about you and your background? Uh, so me, Hilary, I was um, brought up in West Auckland and then uh, migrated down to uh, the deep south of Invercargill. So that's where I spent my schooling years and um, basically started working when I was about 13, at uh, Mitre 10 in uh, retail. Oh, so. Started very early and um, continued working most uh, weekends and I suppose built up a pretty good work ethic um, through that process. And then when I left school, originally I wanted to be a fighter pilot in the Air Force. Of course, you know, everyone watched Top Gun (laughs) during the 80s and uh, wanted to be a fighter pilot. And uh, unfortunately learned at quite a young, um, late stage that um, due to me having asthma, uh, that wasn't going to happen. So I went off to the career guidance counsellor and. he kind of said, well, what else do you like doing? I said, I kind of like building things, pulling electronics apart, trying to put them together. Again, sometimes not quite successful, um, <laughs> playing with computers. And he suggested I uh, go and do a electronics engineering degree. So when I spent two years at Targa Polytech and got a national certificate of uh, engineering in electronics and computers and uh, started with Cordia way back in, I think it was December 1993 so i've done about after your study yeah yeah first job after study so uh basically might attend study and then uh into cordia or its predecessor um broadcast communications back in the day and um been there ever since but obviously uh it's uh, significantly evolved since then i started as a uh, apprentice electronics technician and effectively um moved up through the company um and also moved up through the country so um, worked in Invercargill, uh, Christchurch, and uh, eventually moved back north to Auckland, um, where I've been based for the last 20 years. Wow. So literally kind of grew up with the company. So just um, wondering, how do you think that has kind of changed your perspective in terms of um, you know, essentially coming up through the ranks? Does that, does that mean you have a different perspective from someone joining um, you know, later on in their career? Uh, yeah, I think it just comes back to to uh, experience. So, you know, the, the great thing is when you get new, new people join the company, um, they've got new ideas, new ways of working, which you always want to embrace. Um, but also the people that have been with the company for a while, 
have a kind of a lot of experience and in-depth knowledge that can help people around why decisions may be have been made as they did were in the past yeah. or how technology's kind of evolved or um, been kind of patched together to, to form solutions. And I think also because I've worked in a number of different areas, I've got affinity with the people who are out in our field teams um, and climb towers yeah. because as part of my job, I used to have to climb our broadcast towers. So some of them are over 120 metres high. So I definitely don't have a, uh, a fear of heights um, and enjoyed working outside in those times. So, you know, I've been out with the field staff. So I uh, love and respect what they do on a daily basis. I've worked in pre-sales. Um, yeah. You know, I've worked in product management. And now I'm in a, a commercial kind of technical executive role. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've got a pretty broad understanding of the end-to-end -end parts of the business and how it all fits together and how we need to work together to achieve common outcomes for our customers. Absolutely. Actually, I'd like to touch on your current role, so Chief Digital Officer. Um, it, that can mean a lot of different things in different companies, but to you, what are the sorts of things that like a CDO does? Like what's their kind of role compared to other execs on the team? Yeah, so, um, yeah, as you say, the CDO or Chief Digital mm -hmm. Officer can mean a lot of different things depending on the company you're in. Um, and no, I'm not responsible for uh, digital marketing and websites as uh, some of the email spam that comes to me uh, might suggest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Effectively, my job is to lead the technology strategy within the company, um, and that involves leading teams of um, IP engineers, software developers, um, some of the technical elements of our recent ap um, acquisitions, our managed cybersecurity team, obviously yourself, Hillary, yes. and yep. um, and our product management or go-to-market um, side of the business and kind of pull that together into a cohesive kind of delivery arm. Um, and so effectively, uh, my team is responsible for um, ideation, creation of designs, architecture, and then, of course, execution. And at the end of the day, um, I'm only su successful in how I deliver things if I've got a strong team behind me. And um, the measure of success ultimately is that you're delivering for your customers and you're delivering for your employees. Yeah, definitely. Ashley, if we could perhaps have a bit of a chat about your leadership style now. So um, how would you describe your leadership style? And when did you figure it out for yourself? Because you have gone through various uh, like technical roles and then technical leadership roles and then into, into the role you're in today. So, yeah, how would you describe it? Um, I think I'd describe it as kind of being natural. Um, and so I've never tried to be something I'm not. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a bogan from Southland and uh, <laughs> I love playing with tech and things like that. And, you know, I, I think you've got to be, um, to bring people along on a journey, they've got to see that you're willing to jump in the trenches and do things yourself you've been there yourself, you understand or have experienced what they're experiencing at any particular time and and that you're authentic. Um, you know, I can be a bit blunt sometimes, but I, I think it's it's more about being just black and white. So there's a, there's a difference between, I suppose, how you deal with people in a way where you're trying to put people down or um, not help them versus just being frank and honest. Um, in a nice way about where things are at and kind of what you expect. 
and you know I think from the the people that work with me and kind of around me um they've kind of grown to respect that yeah um one of the things I've sort of noticed about your leadership style and appreciated as well is um it's kind of hard to explain but it's sort of like you encourage people to their kind of particular strengths in terms of leadership um and in fact it's it's kind of a no ego approach because you'll actually let some of your team members lead certain aspects for you or you know on different projects or you know different meetings that that might happen did that happen by accident or was that a conscious decision where you have actually said oh look actually you know I'll let I'll let Hillary lead this one Regan this one or, or whatever it might be is that yeah um, I think just just working through the years it's always quite easy to um, manage or if you're embedded in a team and you're kind of there beside them when they're doing something actually make sure it gets done yeah I think the key difference is being able to step out of the room and the same outcomes happen yeah yeah and and to me you know and I think any true leader should only be successful when they can go away or disappear you know whether it's on holiday or or they've moved on to another role and everything else keeps on going in the background yeah if you need to be there um constantly then I think you probably need to look at your your style and um you know learn how to trust people to get on yeah. and do things and, and make their own decisions yeah yeah that's it i think it is trust actually um, and, and thank I, you um, and i think from a you know a cdo's perspective well my own perspective is um we're not there to be the the ultimate expert in every single topic we're more there to have a a broad understanding end-to-end of how the cogs and pieces work but kind of effectively be like a drone pilot. So we're we're up at a certain altitude and we're looking back and we're looking forward and trying to make sure that all the pieces are happily working together and identify potential issues before they come up. And, you know, hopefully you can stay at that altitude and keep an eye on things and kind of provide advice around where the next direction is to go. But occasionally you obviously need to come down into the field and you know help out as required but if you're living down there all the time you're going to lose that broader perspective yes yeah i like that you've advanced the language there from helicopter view to drone pilot that's probably (laughs) quite current actually isn't it (laughs) and uh speaking of kind of technology and, and innovation um you know, obviously, tech and innovation is something we do quite a bit of at you know at Cordia um, to stay ahead of where our cu- um, where our customers are heading. But it can be quite challenging and and exciting. Um, what uh, what are some of the experiences you've had of tech or innovation and kind of the upsides and downsides? Yeah, definitely. So I mean, as I said, when I, when I was a kid, I liked to uh, build things, break them sometimes hopefully successfully put them back together again um, wasn't always the case but innovation is kind of the same right you've you've got to have a passion mm. or kind of wanting to see what's next what can I pull together to make a better outcome and and sometimes it doesn't have to be big bold steps um, innovation can be simply just stopping doing something that's not actually adding any real value to what you're doing um, or it could be just subtly making a change 
to an existing product or solution, or it can be to the absolute extreme of creating something um, brand new. And, and I think all, all tech people are, uh, are passionate about innovation and, and, and trying new things. I think it's always difficult to find the balance between when you're, um, you've got an idea or a bold option you can take and whether you should take it or not. Um, mm. Because there's, there's so many things happening in the world and opportunities that we have that it becomes quite easy to become so overwhelmed with the amount of things you should actually be playing with or trialling or innovating in um, that you end up losing perspective or you never release anything to market or add any value back to your company or, or your um, customers. And so, yeah, I think it's just for experience of learning how to make those judgment calls around kind of where you should put your effort in and um, that you can't do everything. I think the other thing is around, you know, fast failure. Mm. What, what is the minimum you need to do at each step to be able to progress that idea to a point where you can make the next decision as opposed yes. to spend a whole lot of time on it? And, you know, don't be afraid to um, call your baby ugly, I think. is uh, You know, it's, it's always a bit difficult um, when you've put your heart and soul into what you're doing. And obviously, you've got other team members involved as well. But, you know, there's, there's some times we have to say, well, actually, that's not going to work. We're not going to make any money on it. It's not commercially viable. Or, you know, in some cases, we've done some things and, you know, the market wasn't ready. And so there's a timing yeah. problem there where, you know, there's a bit of a lag um, before the market is ready or due to technology changing by the time the market is ready, the technology's changed and leapfrogged. Yeah, that timing thing is a really interesting point. And I know that we've spoken about it before, just even just in relation to, you know, like the security program and what you roll out and when and how fast you can do it. Um, there, you know, there's times you're trying to push forward quickly, but actually just the timing isn't right for, for whatever reasons. And so perhaps it takes longer, but actually the conditions are much better when you actually get to, you know, to the point of rolling something out. So, yeah, timing's quite a hard one to pick because you never know if you are going fast enough or maybe, you know, too slowly, um, that sometimes that has to just kind of play out a bit, doesn't it? To kind of understand whether the timing's right. Yeah, definitely. And some, sometimes you just got to learn as you go. Um, and the other thing is involve your customers because mm, at true. the end of the day, they're the ones with the real use cases. You know, you're working on hypothetical use cases for anything you do. They're the yeah. ones with the whole face that are going to, leverage or not what you're trying to achieve yeah that's true um yeah um in terms of technology and technology trends keen to know what you think some of the hot trends are at the moment or some of the things you might be looking at yeah i suppose um you know it, it's all around the common themes um primarily delivered by covid um mm. you know i'm sure most cdos will admit now um covid's probably um advanced technology within our enterprises faster than uh, what we've been able to do in the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not just obviously our own company, uh, Hillary, but, you know, all our customers and the yeah. New Zealand market and globally, you know, there's been a massive step change um, with companies now adopting um, remote working, flexible hours, moving services to the cloud, modern workplace, 
you know, use of Teams and Zoom and everything like that. And, um, you know, so you've got all those macro kind of changes, um, but it's in behind that is kind of where you fit in to enable that. And a lot of those are the tools um, that you use, like Teams and other call, uh, cloud calling platforms. Um, obviously, security is a big one because mm. now we've got a, a distributed um, workforce. We're not behind the, the moat um, or the old perimeter type system. And so, as of anything, it's always a double-edged coin or sword. You've got people being able to do things more productive, but it's now created more risk. And so, you know, there's a, a lot of those solutions we're working on around secure access, service edge, um, digital migration into the cloud, because obviously having the flexibility of having your systems and SaaS post products or, um, you know, platform as a service is going to be a lot more flexible, easier to support. And, and I think putting aside the trends, it's more around just companies or businesses re recognizing what is their actual core business. And then going, do we have the strong partners in the background to enable that? Because, you know, if, you, if your prime business is agriculture export, you don't need to be vertically integrated and do everything yourself. You're better off bringing in specialists to help you automate your business and um, better engage with your customers. That's true. And, and um, I think so, there's, there's also a risk that, um, you know, you've, you've got vendors getting closer to end customers and yes. everyone's getting bombarded with hot trends and, and multiple solutions for the same trend or, or use case, which I think can create a lot of confusion as well um, for people. So it's a bit of a kind of delicate balancing act um, with what's going on at the moment. Absolutely. And, and in fact, some of those things you were talking about, they've actually been around for a while, like, you know, even, you know, basic things like modern workplace. But I think for an organisation to actually really embrace that and kind of change their behaviour and get on board, that's that has been a much slower kind of pace. Um, so it's using a lot of the things that are already existing, but like you say, changing the business model behind how things are done or the behaviours of staff so that they're getting the most out of what those tools can provide. So often there's so many features, but you've got to kind of keep up with. Yeah, and, that, and that's why I think. Yeah, and that's why I think you've got to. You got to be aware of kind of what's happening. Otherwise, you live, you live in a bubble, or you've got your head in the sand. But you need to start with focusing: is what is our business actually trying to achieve, and how do we create better employee engagement and transact with our customers, or make it easier for our customers to transact with us, and then kind of work back from there. Because I think as a tech industry, we constantly try to overcomplicate. Yeah. Think. Um, Whereas, in fact, for a lot of businesses, there's actually some really quick, easy wins they can get to actually improve their business. It doesn't require a whole lot of um, change and in investment. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, following along that whole kind of digital kind of behaviours kind of theme now. So, Aaron, look, I know that you like to give your opinion on social media. <laughs> Um, you're often quite candid out there on social media as well. Um, so, yeah, what do you think of the role of social media in, in business and in our lives? What's your view? Yeah, I think um, with anything, it can be a good or an evil. Um, oh, I've made the, uh, the, the decision way back that basically 
you know, for LinkedIn and and Twitter, they would be primarily um, business yeah. focused accounts, and I wouldn't use them for any kind of personal transactions. And obviously, you know, Facebook and Instagram is is for my friends and family. So, you know, from my perspective, I'm not sure of others, but I keep that all very separate, and I think that kind of helps that you don't accidentally kind of step over the line with a personal opinion um, and into a, a professional network or something else gets linked to you. Um, you know, there has been, I suppose, times in the past where I've um, shared what I thought was just a perspective, um, but obviously took on a life of its own. So, you know, as there anything in life, you learn from that. And, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, going forward, um, those professional networks are good. Um, I'm probably more of a, a fan of using LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Then I think Twitter to me is a bit of a cesspit of, um, you know, various people's ideas um, that kind of drown out um, kind of what other people are trying to communicate. Um, so, you know, from LinkedIn perspective, I think it's a really good platform to basically build connections and I think importantly for myself is, is share the successes that Cordy is having mm, and our customer yeah. story because I don't know about you, but I want to shout those from the roof and uh, make sure everyone knows about them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you're right about those different platforms. They do all have their different kind of personalities. LinkedIn, like you say, very business-like and professional. Um, Twitter, a bit more like a town crier kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Facebook and Instagram, which is where people often are yeah, totally there to, you know, catch up with friends or see what friends and family are up to. So I think that's probably quite a common split in terms of how people use those different platforms. Yeah. And, yeah, so, um, wow. So just acquired base two. Um, and then what what else are you or Cordia looking forward to? What's coming up? Well, I suppose, um, you know, it's uh, kind of, Business day one uh, for having base two in the family. So, you know, we're really keen to get across their products and services and how we can leverage those across our our broader customer base. Um, we only acquired Emerge just over 12 months ago, which is mm. seems like a long time. But, um, you know, we're still looking um, to, you know, continue to grow that the growth that they've got there. Um, and they've got some brilliant case studies there and, Kind of cloud transformation um, successes for their customers, uh, and then we've got obviously a lot of work still going into cyber, which is, as you'd be aware in your role, um, Hillary, a um, a constant area of concern for New Zealand businesses, as it should be. Um, and you know, it's a fast-growing area for ourselves, and we love helping our customers out and keeping them safe. Yeah, absolutely. And so as we're kind of finishing up, Aaron, are there any kind of final words or calls to action for the audience? Um, I think the uh, the truth for me is, you know, be optimistic but pragmatic. So, you know, it's just find that balance of always looking forward to into the future but, you know, working out how you get there in a pragmatic way. And I think back your intuition because I think in business, and we see it quite often, you know, People know in the back of their heads what's going to work, which way sh people should go, but quite often we kind of question ourselves, even though when you step forward and then look back, you find out that the original thought you had for a couple of minutes 
was actually what was, was the right one. And it was <laughs> yeah. the right one. As a, you know, I mean, it's the same as if you um, if you're working on a project. How many times have you know tech people worked out what what's involved to make something happen? How many hours it's going to take? What kind of investments required? And they've got the right people together on a whiteboard for thirty minutes. Yeah. And then the next step is detailed analysis and financial modelling, and that can take days and weeks, etc. And then you look back and you're within five ten percent of what was created in that first tiny meeting anyway. That's so true. Yeah. Trusting your instinct is really important. I think it's going to be more important as we kind of, you know, go into the future because in some ways it's something that we're almost taught not to trust too much. And then, but I think it is really important um, yep. to really kind of trust that gut. So, yeah. And, and you know, we, we employ smart, capable people. So we need to back them. Very true. Very true. Thanks, Aaron. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. An absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, yeah, it's really appreciated. So thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye all. Okay, that's it. Episode over. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, then make sure you subscribe so you can have those episodes at your fingertips.